And now, for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, but five, or five. Welcome to the Force 5 Podcast. I am your host, Jason Kleberg, and Force 5 is the show that forces a guest each week to come up with a movie-themed top five list, and then we talk about our picks on air. This week, my guest is Wordsworth, a rapper, poet, teacher, and author, the latter of which I didn't even know until we talked today. He's such a great guest, and he picked some real deep cuts for his list today, which is Top 5 Movies About Music. I think you'll have a good time listening to our conversation, but before we get to the main course, let's talk about just a couple of things that I checked out this week. First off, let's look at Disney going back to the well for a cash grab with Cruella. It's a world of opportunity. And I was meant for more in this life. I want to make art. And I want to make trouble. Whether you have the killer instinct is the big question. I hope I do. This is obviously the origin story of Cruella de Vil, the villain who wanted to make a coat from the fur of 101 Dalmatians. After a brief jaunt through her childhood, we see her go up against the Baroness, a London fashion mogul. Half 101 Dalmatians, half the Devil Wears Prada. It's Emma versus Emma. I have 100% banned all Disney remakes from my retinas because they're lazy cash grabs, but I'm all for exploring older characters in new ways. I don't remember anything about the Dalmatian movies. I haven't seen them in probably 30 years, so I don't have any kind of connection with the characters. That being said, I thought that all the characters in this film were pretty great. You get your over-the-top villain in The Baroness, played by Emma Thompson, two caring, crafty friends, Wink, the one-eyed chihuahua that's clearly the MVP of the film, and of course, Emma Stone plays Cruella, a role that she nails but that doesn't have any connection to the source material. More on that later. The camera work here is kinetic. It's very well done. The cinematography is beautiful. The look of each location is stunning. The costume design is excellent with colors that pop incredibly on a good screen, and the soundtrack is one of the best in recent memory with tune after tune. Standouts include Blondie, The Doors, Supertramp, The Ohio Players, you even get two from Ike and Tina. The story of Cruella is fairly predictable, and it follows the story of Cruella from when she became an orphan up until she starts working for the Baroness. There aren't many surprises, and the film is way too long, but I don't really have any complaints about the direction that the film goes. That being said, when the film was over, I couldn't see any possible way that this version of Cruella turns into a woman who desires to make a coat out of 101 puppies. I have to assume that this is meant to retcon the Cruella de Vil that everybody grew up with. Overall, Cruella is a solid entry in Disney's plan to shed new light on your favorite Disney villains. It's a gorgeous, skillfully shot movie, and it's an easy way to spend a couple of hours. I feel pretty good about recommending Cruella, especially once it's on the like the standard Disney Plus and doesn't cost you anything extra over the subscription that you already pay for. For some reason this week, I also decided to go back in time a bit to 1998 to revisit Urban Legend. Last week we discussed folklore. Today we get more specific. This is what we call an urban legend contemporary folklore passed on as a true story something you might have heard about mixing pop rocks and soda supposedly your stomach and your intestines burst voila still alive mr ross please he's gonna explode somebody call 911 <laughs> They are the legends we've all heard. Gang members drive around at night with their headlights off. And when someone goes to flash in their high beams to warn them, they kill them. The stories we've all told. Guy and a girl, and they're parked out in the woods. The guy steps out, and the girl starts to hear these scratching noises. It's her dead boyfriend hung from a tree. The tales we've all listened to. Isn't there another story about a guy with an axe hiding in a woman's back seat? My mom still checks the back seat before getting into a car. But just because it never happened, 
doesn't mean it never will. Welcome to Pendleton University, where students actually pay what I can only assume is thousands of dollars a year to attend a class about urban legends, in which people take a break from learning useful shit like calculus and instead study how pop rocks and coke mingle when mixed together inside of a human body. And it's a good thing this class exists, because somebody is killing students using urban legends, and without the syllabus, people would just be like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> After the success of Scream in 1996, studio executives realized that people didn't magically just stop liking slashers, because there was a period of time in the, like the late 80s to early 90s where people just weren't making slashers anymore so the the late 90s become littered with these scream knockoffs featuring very specific formulas find a hot star from a popular teen tv show give the killer a black outfit and have them pick off stereotypes like jocks geeks ditzes and of course the the person who knows everything about the subject aka person who explains everything to the 15 year olds who have never seen a movie before kill them off one by one until the person you least expected is revealed as the killer. But it's not that you didn't think they were the killer, it's just that when they're revealed as the killer, it makes absolutely no fucking sense. Enter Urban Legend. Part 1 of Hollywood's attempt at making Rebecca Gayhart a household name. Alicia Witt plays the lead, and rounding out the cast, you've got Michael Rosenbaum, a.k.a. the Costco brand Jai Courtney, Tara Reid as a radio DJ who has a very not-safe-for-work show that somehow still gets played on campus airwaves. Jared Leto playing a reporter for the school paper who thinks that's an actual job. And because the party of five girls were already used as leads in other slashers and they needed someone from a teenage TV show and Dawson wasn't available, they went ahead and plucked Josh Jackson straight out of the creek and let him play Pacey Witter just under a different name. Adults include Freddy Krueger himself, Robert Englund playing the teacher, and Loretta Devine, the only black person in the film as the university's only security guard. Yes, the university's only security guard. In a film like this, it's all about the urban legends. People dying in creative ways based on the urban legends you know and love. The thing is, though, most kids have only heard of like one or two of these things. So when you have a person walking around killing people while wearing a hooded ski jacket in what I can only assume is late August, the kills just seem kind of bizarre and unnecessary. And when you find out who's been killing these people, it's going to seem even more bizarre. Because you'll be wondering, how could a person who's all of 90 pounds wet and wearing boots have choked out and then strung someone up a tree high enough that they would literally be hanging over their own car. This movie is dumb from the jump, as the beautiful Mary Elizabeth Winstead forgets that she's almost out of gas because she's singing along to Bonnie Tyler. She stops at a gas station, gets freaked out by the gas station attendant, who apparently can't string together simple words or act like a functioning human being, and then as she leaves, he finally musters up the oxygen to yell, There's someone in the back seat! Whew! That somebody then chops Winstead's head off with an axe while she's driving full speed in an SUV while it's raining and dark. So, we're left to assume that this murderer has just been laying down in the back seat for what I imagine would have been a very long time and got sick of hearing Miss Winstead belting out total eclipse of the heart. Urban legend sits near the very bottom of the barrel of the Scream clones, right down there with 2001's Valentine. But it's one that would probably play well with a crowd because of the levels of lunacy and an ending that ratchets the batshit insanity up yet another notch. Bonus points for the moment when Pacey Witter turns on the car, hears the Dawson's Creek theme song, and mentions how much he hates it. Urban Legend, 1998. Revisit it if you got some drinks and some friends. Speaking of friends, it's almost time for some words with words worth. But before we get to our top five movies about music, I've got some music for your ears. Today's show is brought to you by Dewey Cox's Greatest Hits. All of your favorite Dewey Cox songs finally together in one convenient collection. Journey through timeless classics like Cut My Brother in Half and Let's Do It. All right. In my dreams you're blowing me 
some kisses. Grab a loved one, hold them tight, and listen to ballads like Midget Man and Take My Hand, all the way through his final number one single, Beautiful Ride. Now that I have lived a lifetime's worth of days, finally I see the folly of my way. Dewey Cox's greatest hits now available across two cassette tapes and also available on 8-track. Call 1-800-WALK-HARD and tell them the Force 5 podcast sent you for the free bonus track edition featuring the song You Gotta Love Your... <laughs> Wait, I, I, I can't say that. No, no, Dewey, I'm not saying that word. It's 2021. Dewey, what's the matter with you? I'm not I'm saying that word. But not only yourself it's about the good walk and the hard walk and the young girls you made cry. This is the Force 5 Podcast, and joining me tonight, all the way from Florida, we have rapper Wordsworth. Now, I was introduced to Words back on the Black Star album way back in the day, but since then he's gone on to release five studio albums. He's toured the world and is part of EMC, one of rap's supergroups with Master Ace and Strickland. How's it going, Wordsworth? Man, that's a great intro, man. You got the voice for this, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, that intro sounded sounding great. Uh, everything's going pretty well, man. I'm I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Steering out of the uh, out of the pandemic. I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back in the booth. Yeah, I'm actually. You know, I'm a teacher, so I've been in the classroom actually since August, doing the hybrid thing, teaching some kids at home and teaching some kids in the classroom. Now most of them are pretty much back, and the next year we're having all the kids back in the classroom, no matter what, because that that uh hybrid situation was kind of a nightmare for a lot of people. <laughs> so they they just was like, you know, we got to get all the kids back. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna affect them generationally. A lot of these kids. So yeah, so yeah, I'm a, a middle school teacher. I teach TV, film, and music production. I actually actually invented the curriculum for it. Oh yeah? yeah, that's awesome. So this is kind of right up your alley then, talking about movies and TV shows. Yeah, man, I'm I'm into it all. What are some of your favorite movies of all time that might not make our list today? Man, you know, Boomerang is one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I love Boomerang, man. Um, Endgame. Oh man, I, I, <laughs> I love watching Claudine. Seven, old 75 from 70s movie claudine um that's one of my favorite movies okay uh there was this movie called black moon rising and it was about a car that was almost like better than kit back in the days from uh <laughs> night rider yeah man i used to rent that that cassette the vhs tape back then because the way this car was in this movie but man it's so many different movies man but yeah those are those are some of my like uh go-to's and uh uh, Transformers, love Transformers. So, like the live action Transformers or the cartoon version? Live action Transformers, man. You got me ready to go into my iTunes because I actually <laughs> buy, the, I actually buy the movies that I like like that because if I'm caught anywhere, do I, you know, do I want to watch? I got anything that I could want to watch, so it's like, oh, it's right there. I could just go right into a movie right there on spot. So, you got me, you got me thinking about my my purchases because if I purchase it. That's the real deal, you know. So I, I definitely got some movies. Oh, John Wick. Oh, Book of Eli. Okay, Denzel. Dark Knight. Oh man, Dark Knight Rises. Mm -hmm. The Dark Knight. Uh, these are movies that's in my phone. A Kid from Coney Island, based on Stephon Marbury. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, documentary is great. Logan. Great movie. Mag Magnificent Seven. Oh, I just bought this one recently. Which I was fiending to buy for for a minute, The Revenant. Oh, great movie! Oh man, oh man, I could watch that over and over, man. Uh, I'm all over the place with it, man. <laughs> yeah, we got a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything in there. You got the '70s, you got uh, horror movies, you got action movies, superheroes, good stuff, man, good stuff. We're gonna be talking today about top five movies about music. Uh, obviously yeah. you are a rapper, you teach film, you teach some music. I'm guessing that was your inspiration for the list. Yeah. When I, when I thought about it, I was just thinking about, um, some of the movies that, 
I wish I had in my in my phone. You sure. Know? So then I was like, man, I, I have these. I, have, I either have the Blu-ray or I have the DVD, but I don't have. They don't. They don't have necessarily the the digital download for for. Uh, well, I think most of them now. There's one of them that they don't. Okay. But most of them do it now digital downloads but i just was thinking about just the realm of you know what i do is music you know a lot so let's let's try to go that well let's get into our list you know what's gonna happen you know what's happening here right now i know what's gonna happen what you just made the list top five movies about music wordsworth what's number five on your list Wow, the order, man! You're killing me with the order. <laughs> but, uh, it doesn't have to be in any kind of order. Mine's, I'm just kind of right, flow through mine. Let's take the pressure off. But I, let's listen to number five. All right, so I'll just start with number five anyway. Let's go Beat Street. Little brother Lee's gonna need a little luck. He's a break dance spinner, contest winner, but just like the rest, he's looking for a break on Beat Street. Beat Street. If you don't know what hip hop is about, then stop looking, listen, and check this out. Beat Street. Beat Street. Beat Street. Beat Street. Beat Street, you know, dealt with a lot of MCing and it's like one of those hardcore hip hop movies that that dealt with graffiti. It dealt with like almost every aspect of it. It had Dougie Fresh beatboxing in there. It dealt with um what graffiti was about. It dealt with like almost all the aspects of dealing with hip hop culture. So that's like a movie um you almost have to see. And it, it had a lot of influence on me coming up just on the basis of it encompassed everything that I that I felt that I needed to watch and know about uh, being an artist. As far as being an MC and being into the hip hop culture, Beat Street was was one of those movies. Like originally you're from New York, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. So and when that came out, that was like a staple. Like everybody went to the movie theater to see Beat Street. Yeah. You know, and. And then even at the end, it's, it's so, um, you know, the ending when they're rapping at the end of the movie, you get to see Dougie Fresh. That's the first time I ever think I've ever seen Dougie Fresh. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And um, as far as like, you know, yeah, I think it's the first time I saw what he looked like in that movie. Um, but it just attacked a lot of stuff. And it was it had drama to it. Um, loved it. Loved B Street. That's a good pick. If you're listening and you're a hip hop fan and you want a little bit more about like the origins of hip hop, this is a really good place to start. Came out in 19, like the early 80s, 1983, 1984, somewhere around there. I was probably like 10 right around then. I was probably like 10. So like as far as being impressionable right there. And then, you know, the storyline, the plot was good. You know, it got drama in it, got some fun stuff in there. So, um, yeah, that definitely um, was one of mine. That's a deep cut. That's one that did I didn't even think about when I was coming up with this list. Although I haven't seen it in probably twenty years, um, that's yeah. another one that I saw like straight on VHS. I don't think I've seen it since then. I'll go with my newest one for number five, and this is a group that I was exposed to as a young kid and loved their music back then. And then when this came out, it was to me it was one of these perfect movies that just encapsulated everything I loved about NWA, and that's Straight Outta Compton from twenty fifteen. Down the street in my six foot. Hey, that was dope, eh? You're listening to Compton's very own Ice Cube, Easy E, and Dr. Dre. I gotta tell you, you are witnessing history. People are scared of you guys. You have a unique voice. The world needs to hear it. They want NWA? Let's give them NWA. Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker. This is only the tip of the iceberg, gentlemen. What's going on? What do you have in that bag? Are you kidding me? You can't take that in the bus. When I'm called on, I got a sword on. Squeeze the trigger, your body's on hold Yeah, I was going to put that on my list, man. That's actually in my iTunes purchases. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's in my purchases, man. I got that in there. So um, I didn't mention it because I didn't want it to kind of start the <laughs> list already, you know? Oh, well, good. I'm glad I get a chance to talk about it. If you've never seen Straight Outta Compton, it covers the beginnings of N.W.A. from their formation all the way through uh, Easy es death. It has tons of iconic moments like the Jerry Heller stuff, uh, the split of Ice Cube, which led to one of the best diss tracks of all time, No Vaseline, 
Uh, it deals with Eze and Dr. Dre's feud. You got Snoop Dogg coming in. Just this whole West Coast hip hop gangster rap environment that that came out of the NWA. It's got a great cast. Uh, Ice Cube's yeah. son plays him, so it's perfect, like spot on as Ice wow. Cube. And then Jason Mitchell as Eze just like steals the show. That dude was perfect yeah. as Eze yeah. man. That movie's incredible. That movie's incredible. It is. It's so good. It's really well written, very well directed, has some just fantastic moments. I know that the, it gets some flack because there's like some inaccuracies because Dr. Dre was a producer, so it didn't really like go into all of his stuff, but I don't care. I watched this thing in the theater, and yeah. when they when they performed Straight Outta Compton in the movie, I had tears welling up in my eyes because it was just so perfect. Like everything that I remembered from when I was younger. What a great movie. That's a, that's a great movie. Did F. Gary Gray do that movie? F. Gary Gray, yep, who uh, was reunited with Ice Cube, directing Ice Cube's son as Ice Cube when he uh, originally directed Friday back in like 94 with the with Ice Cube. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I was just watching an interview with Vivica Fox and they were talking about Set It Off and F. Ooh. Gary Gray did that, which reminded me that he also did Negotiator, which is one of my favorite movies too. So F. Gary Gray is, is uh, spot on with his films, man. But that's a that's a great pick there. Hey, I couldn't leave it. I couldn't leave it off the list. That's definitely my newest one. But man, Straight Outta Compton, great movie. All right. Uh, so I'll, I'll go to another one. I'm I'm not gonna go order number wise, but as far as you know placement, but we'll go to the next one. Uh, Five Heartbeats, man. A new film by Robert Townsend with a lot of music. Heart. The Five Heartbeats. I want you on my label. Let's make a deal right now. We're gonna go and record our first single. And I want a gold record. Man, so Robert Townsend um, wrote this script about a group that was on a come up and they wind up finally getting a record deal and pretty much essentially blowing up. But as they blew up, a lot of turmoil went on within the group. It's very similar to what we, we witness and see a lot of times today with a lot of our groups that we like and enjoy. Um, so it has a lot of things in there. So the group blows up, they get a record deal, they go on a road, they go touring, the turmoil ends up tearing them apart and they try to figure out what are they gonna do next? And towards the end, you get to see what, what they become. It actually didn't do well in the box office. And then it came out on VHS and things like that. And it became a cult classic. Um, so it's a classic movie. I mean, if, if you were to look it up and, and things like that and do the kind of like look into some history of it. Um, incredible movie, man. I mean, I could watch that over and over. Anytime somebody puts that on, I could watch the five heartbeats. Wow. Well, this is one of the reasons why I do this show, because I get to learn about all kinds of really great movies that I've never heard of. And this one is getting right on my watch list. I got to check this out. Yeah, yeah. I think Robert Townsend is actually doing a, um, it may have come out already, but he's doing a behind the scenes. I believe he has footage based on it as well. Um, and it's just one of those movies that you watch if you kind of want to get some insight on how the industry is and how they would treat like um, the record label would treat artists and things like that. And also, man, there's some, there's some scenes in there that are just, just eye opening to how the industry was and, and, and still is in some regards, but it's definitely a great movie to watch because it gives you um, the before the, it gives you the before, then it gives you the middle and then it gives you the after when they're older. So it's, it's great. Man, deep cut. You coming with the heat tonight, Wordsworth. I got to tell you. Man, I I got so many on this list, man. You got I'm up here. You got me under pressure over here. That's what you got me. <laughs> you know, I looked it up. Uh, it looks like the 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 documentary you're talking about is called Making the Five Heartbeats, and it came out in 2018. Okay, yeah, because he actually was on the Breakfast Club promoting it at that time. Okay, uh, so I definitely I, I hadn't had a chance to check out the documentary for us. So That'll be something I'll check actually probably in the next few weeks once I get on my little my little break and I can like sit there and, and just kind of absorb some things that I haven't seen or things I should see. All right. That's the five heartbeats from 1991. Great pick. Okay. This next one for me is going to be 
kind of a surprise to a lot of people. And I think this movie is disrespected unfairly, but I'm going to slot it here at number four because I think it has a lot of parallels to The Five Heartbeats the way that you described it. And it's from 2001. It's called Josie and the Pussycats. They were three small town girls with big time dreams. Who's a rock star? I am. Who wanted to share their music with the world. We can't sit around here waiting for it to happen. We are musicians. We should be out there playing music. We do play. Nobody believed in them. You know, you suck. (laughs) But they believed in themselves. We're special. Yeah, special Ed. (laughs) Now. In a world of tough competition. And that is so sad. Fate is giving the Pussycats the chance of a lifetime. We'd love for you to sign with Mega Records. How am I going to pull this off? I'm a girl from Riverdale. I'm not a rock star. you got to believe in yourself. Give us some insight on that. They were a cartoon in the early 70s, I think 1970 to 1973, uh, based on okay. a band from Archie Comics. It's about this all-female band called Josie and the Pussycats, and it tells a very similar story to things that we've heard before, including the Five Heartbeats, where this band kind of rises up from nothing, becomes super popular, and because of their popularity, their friendship is tested throughout the group. The formula is nothing new. You've seen it a million times before, but the leads here are great. You've got Rachel Lee Cook, who at the time I had like a huge crush on her, Tara <laughs> Reed, and then Rosario Dawson in an early role as well. Oh, yes, I've seen that because of Rosario Dawson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rosario Dawson when I was young. Got you. The cool thing about Josie and the Pussycats is the way that it uses satire. The entire movie is like lampooning the music industry, and it's really clever as the girls in the band start finding out that their label is only using them to sell trends and products through their music. It's really self-aware and critics hated this movie. And I think that they hated it because it was just, it was ahead of its time. They didn't, they didn't realize what they had here. And over time, just like the five heartbeats, it's grown in this cult following because people now understand what it was. They just didn't know how to sell this. Like the studio didn't know how to sell the movie. They marketed it to little kids and it's a good teen movie. It also really predicted like the death of the boy band and the rise of Mm. pop punk, which, which definitely happened in the early two thousands. So Josie and the Pussycats revisit it. I think it's going to be well worth your time. Uh, And if you, if you got a teenager in the house, they're gonna like it because the music's good. I think the I think the actual soundtrack went gold, but it's got really great performances, and I think it's underrated. So Josie and the Pussycats, two thousand one. That's my number four. The next one I'm gonna go to. Man, this list is going by kind of fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to Crush Groove. The story. It's a lot of screaming and noise. It's not music. We're selling records we don't even have. I want parents to turn this music off, all right? The sound. These these are the movies that basically molded me into who I am, you know, this to actually be able to dream of being a, a hip hop artist. Yeah. So Crush Move, it's about the story of a record label. Um it's it's I believe it's actually maybe uh, resembling the story of how Def Jam got started. Yep. And it deals with, um, you know, Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons in, in this movie. And they start off in a college dorm room selling records that they press up of some local artists. But the great thing about this is not just learning some of the business aspects from it, but you actually get to see Run DMC in the studio uh, performing how, how the movie opens up with Run DMC. This is the first time you ever see LL Cool J bust through a door and rhyme <laughs> about a video. I mean, in the movie theater, when LL bust through the door and rhyme, after he did that scene in the movie, everybody left the movie like, that guy's going to be the next best and greatest ever. Like, that's how much we felt in, from watching the movie theater. You also get to see New Edition perform in that movie. The Fat Boys, too. Boy, oh man, the Fat Boys, it almost felt like they had their own movie in it to the point it led to spinoffs. Yeah. With disorders and stuff like that. Um, Sheila E is in there. 
Russell Simmons plays in there. It's full of so many people in that cast. It's like an all-star cast. If you watch it, you'll get to see some history in there. You get to learn about, you know, how Def Jam started, but you also get to see some sacrifices and you get to see some stars being born on the acting level. Curtis Blow is in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just one of those all-star lineups. And like I said, it it molded my my, um, idea of stardom. That's what it did for me. Being in a movie theater, and I remember going to Kenmore Movie Theater in Flatbush, on Flatbush Avenue and Church Avenue in Brooklyn, and with my sister and everybody. And when everybody that came on that screen did something, it was like watching a, a performance. LL busting through the door. Run DMC opening up first felt like a performance. LL busting through the door rapping. Uh, new edition on stage doing their thing. It's just a... Uh, and then even watching All oh, You Can Eat, even that song, it was actually one of those movies that basically was one of the, probably the first marketing plans. If you look at it, like, sure. hey, put LL, you know, music placement, you put LL in this movie here in this scene, and then when we drop his album, he'll blow up. <laughs> so you kind of can look at that as kind of maybe some of the blueprint. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. That's another great pick, man. Thanks, thanks. And I appreciate it. I got the I got my Rock the Bells hat on right now. Oh man, yeah. I mean, LL was the best at at that time frame. You know, it's so wild. Like to even think, when I looked at the Ego Trips book of rap list, he wrote some some of Run's rhymes back then too. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. Yeah, Ego Trips book of rap list is one of those books that, like, oh man, it's incredible to read through. Um, I can't find mine right now. I thought it, I think I might have left it in Brooklyn, but I actually went to re repurchase it, and I believe they wanted like it was so rare. It was like maybe a hundred dollars. I gotta wait till I find it a little cheaper than that now. But uh, yeah, that that's what I thought was incredible too. That he was that young, crafting the rhymes for some of our favorites. So I thought that was incredible. All right, another deep cut from you, and an, and another great piece of history. Like you said, so many great rappers in here just doing their thing and they get time to shine it's almost like you get to see little concerts in there which is fun yeah another one another movie but this isn't one of my picks but uh back then we used to have be able to do those movies Mm -hmm. you know that's the other right we we haven't been able to get a hip-hop movie with all these hip-hop artists and icons in there no more it's it's like nobody gets along to do those movies but (laughs) even back then for those that don't know there's a movie called who's the man and that was all star flooded out with hip hop artists as well. It had almost everybody, you know, in that too. But those movies are, are you know, those are those days are gone, unfortunately. But those were like some of the greatest movies, greatest things to see. Who's the man? I don't, I don't remember that one at all. Yeah, that one actually was with uh, Ed Lover, Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. All right, I'm gonna have to look that one up. That has a lot of people in there. Had Apache in there. He had a, he had like a cool scene in there, that, you know. It was, it was another one of those type of movies that can like market everything. Okay, all right, cool. I'll have to check that out. My next one is also a, a hip hop origin story, but probably one that a lot of hip hop fans have seen, and it would probably be on their top five list. That's uh, Eight Mile from two thousand two. You're still at that Little Caesars over in Warren? Nah. I'm down in New Detroit stamping now. <laughs> you got fired from a pizza place. Yo, at least I got a job. Up! Down! Play it again, Smith, and you're fired. You know that everybody's calling you a loser? You ever wonder at what point you gotta stop living up here and start living down here? Look. Hey, Alright, right, come on, man. How you feel? If you had... One shot. I'm saving up enough cash to get out of this place. One opportunity. I'm on my way. I'm taking you with me. Seize everything you ever wanted. If something's gonna happen, it needs to happen now. Did you capture it? It's my boy, Bunny Rabbit. He's a genius. Just let it slip. What are you doing with your life that's so great? Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Joe, he's so mad, but he won't. Man, Eight Mile is a great one right there you picked. It is, and this is a good movie for even even if you don't like rap music. Eight Miles a great movie. It's semi autobiographical account of Eminem's journey to be discovered and and be a rapper in a world where he yep. didn't feel welcome. Uh, starts with his battle rap stages near his home on Eight Mile Road in Detroit, and that's why it's called Eight Mile. I mean, I gotta say, one of the worst rap names in movie history is B Rabbit. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just hate that name, but Eminem did a really good job in this film. I know I was an Eminem fan when this movie came out. I was kind of worried because you play yourself in a movie. Yeah. You know, he's not an actor, but he did he did a really great job in this. Like I said, it's not easy to play yourself sometimes. I don't know if you remember that movie Cool as Ice with Vanilla Ice. That that one didn't end up well. <laughs> but uh yeah. <laughs> Eminem did a great job. He also showed some vulnerability here, which was a really interesting juxtaposition, seeing as up to that point, all we've heard were his lyrics on uh, the Slim Shady LP and the Marshall Mathers LP, which were like insane levels of lyricism, but also not really any vulnerability other than, you know, his, well, if you want to go listen to Eminem albums, you'll know what he's saying on there. Em is very down to earth when you when you meet him. I think, you know, he may be a little guarded because, of course, how big he is, he has to deal with more than the people he may know. But, yeah, um, it reminds because me, him, Thurston Howell, and Quest the Mad Lad, and Juice, uh, we were all on a Rap Olympics team together, too. Oh, no kidding? Then. Yeah, we all, so in, um, in Eminem's autobiography, there's a picture of all of us together on that on that journey yeah so it's in his autobiography all all of us sitting there just like during that time taking a picture so thurston howard the third can't forget him too we were all in rap olympics team so um yeah so i've any encounters that i've seen or like if it's heard music or whatever he's he's always been the same person you know no matter what but of course like i said when you got to deal with being so large it just opens up everybody thinks they know you you know what i'm saying sure so, sure but yeah the rap olympics man it was one of those teams that it was just we were put together it was pretty much undeniable you know so yeah yeah so it's good seeing the journey because it's like him playing himself in there i think after being successful with your music you gain that confidence that you can do it you know but not everybody not everybody yeah and not only eminem but you had a great supporting cast in there too kim basinger plays his mom Brittany murphy nice. plays his girlfriend uh exhibits in there at papa doc you got anthony mackie falcon himself so if you want to see uh if you just saw like falcon and winter soldier you want to see an early role from anthony mackie this is a good one this is a good one mckay pfeiffer playing uh proof <laughs> yep yep mckay pfeiffer I'm sure that everybody's heard the soundtrack. I mean, it was everywhere. A great soundtrack. The battle raps in this are really, really fun. I remember when the DVD came out. I bought the DVD, and they had, like, yeah. the, the DVD extras. I remember, you, you remember that scene. It's, like, hundred, hundreds of people stuffed into this really tight area. Yeah. <laughs> and he can't really talk because he had to save his voice. I believe that's one of those scenes. Yeah. He's trying to not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the, you got all these extras. They're in there. They're sweaty. They're hot. And to make it fun for them, because if if you've ever been on a movie shoot, it's like you're there for eight hours, but you might only shoot for a couple of minutes because there's lighting and all the stuff you got to do. And they're getting cranky yeah. and hungry. And so they started doing battle raps uh, and they did like a little battle rap contest. And the people who had the best battle raps got to be uh, they didn't necessarily get to be in the movie, but they got to like go toe to toe with Eminem. And some of those, some of those battle raps were pretty impressive from the people in the crowd. I must say. Yeah, and I believe um, Craig G wrote some battle rhymes for that movie too. If I'm right. Oh, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, I believe Craig G wrote some of the rhymes for that movie too. So that was kind of dope. That that um, because you know when when you're part of this whole culture and you know. Uh, Super Nat, you know, Craig G battles and you know, these battles that have gone on and to be able to go back and say, I need some of the greats to, to actually be a part of this movie. I always think that's dope. You know, when you know about some of those behind the scenes and how uh, people appreciate um, greatness, no matter if they're on a large scale or, or just not as um, known or, you know, out there, they're still like, oh, let's get what's his name. Let's get what's her name. You know, they, they're great at doing that. So I always think that's dope. All right, words, on to your number two. Oh, I'm up to number two already. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Okay, something might get left out, but I'm going to go with this one then. Man, I'm not... Uh, all right. <laughs> Tough decisions. With, yeah, because what I what I was going to choose, I'm going to... I'm not going to use use it because I already went kind of back there to show kind of what molded me. So I'm going to come up to date. 
a little bit with this one. I'm gonna go with uh, Nas Illmatic documentary. When I made Illmatic, I was trying to make the perfect album. It comes from the days of Wild Style. I was trying to make you experience my life. I wanted you to look at hip hop differently. I wanted you to feel that hip hop was changing and becoming something more real. I gave you what the streets felt like, what it sounded like, tasted like, smelled like, all in that album. And I tried to capture it like no one else could. We've seen the journey of Nas from how he came in the game and changed the game. And then you get to see where he's at now, the journey after all these years and to still be here as, as one of the top lyricists. I think that's inspirational to see because he's influenced me in, in, in some aspects of how I write. He's influenced so many. I mean, yeah. the best actually, but if, if not, if not, Everybody has been influenced by Nas in some shape, form, or fashion from when he came out to step your pin game up. Like, you know, when he came out, it, it made you way more competitive. Um, so everybody would probably have to, in some regard, if you came out during that era, everybody, I would say, from that 94 era and on would say, when they heard Illmatic, dot, 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 dot. You know? <laughs> um, so... The documentary, I enjoy watching it just because I enjoy seeing somebody's journey as I'm on my journey and being successful from that era because I recall that era as well. Um, so that's a powerful um, documentary for me to, to, to watch and um, also be able to celebrate uh, one of our legends. This is the documentary you're talking about. It's called Time is Illmatic, right? Time is Illmatic, man. Nas is one of my favorite artists of all time. Back when I used to sell, I used to sell like stereo setups and one of my demo yeah. tracks was off of the live version of Illmatic from, uh, it was halftime off of the live version of right. Illmatic and man, that thing would just blow the room down. Man, halftime, I remember where I was when I heard halftime. I was in in my, in my mom's apartment in Brooklyn and I remember having this big stereo in my bedroom that I shared with my sister. And I was sitting on the floor and it came through the speakers and the rhymes that were being said on halftime, I was like, I've never heard nobody say that. <laughs> you know what I'm or, or it was just like, it sounded new. It sounded new. It sounded, the Large Professor beat was crazy, but just like, we've heard a lot of Large Professor beats at that time. A Large Professor fan, main source and all of that, but like, Nas on that large professor beat and just the way he was rhyming, it was like, okay, I want to be as good as this guy. Because my favorite actually is Cool G Rap. Okay. But when I heard, yeah, that's my favorite. And then G Rap actually influenced the Nas's and the Jay Z's and Kane influenced the Jay Z's and all that. So we know where they got their cloth cut from, but they were able to, um, you know, Nas and Jay Z were able to figure out their, their voice. That's what you pretty much do. So it was cool to hear when Nas came through that speaker and I was sitting on that floor, man. <laughs> I went down, let me tell you, man, I had to search up what it was. Then I went downtown Brooklyn and I went to, um, what was it? I think this, the store, now it was, maybe it was called B Street or whatever the case. Um, went to the record store and I remember, man, catching a train by myself going down there and I said, I need a song called Halftime, Halftime down there and I got the single. And it was the zebra head could single. And if I remember that it had the the stripes on it, but I think it was in a different color for that single. And then I came home with that cassette and I just played it, man. Man, crazy, crazy. I mean, but that's that's how influential that that um that rhyme rhyming and hearing the things I never heard put together before. That's one of the uh one of the rare albums where every track is great. Like there's no man. skippable tracks on Illmatic. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. I play that. I play that every now and then. Just gotta just listen to it because even to this day, people rhyme like he was rhyming then. Yeah, <laughs> you know. What I'm well, so they try. Like he, <laughs> they try, right? He came in with this style, and the way he was rhyming, it made you be like, "Man, I need to make sure I'm saying some stuff. I need to rhyme, you know, a lot of multi-syllables, but they need to say this, or I just need to be more vivid." It was. It's a lot that he, he came in with. So, 
yeah, that's that's it right there, man. Then I got one more. I got one more, man. Uh, and then I, I hopefully, you know, after this, <laughs> I can tell you some some that I left off. Well, yeah, we'll do an honorable mention section for sure. Okay, okay, cool. So what you got? What you got? All right, my number two. I'll go with my last hip hop related one here from 1993, a movie that I don't think gets enough appreciation. CB4. Let's turn ourselves into gangster rappers. Are you aware that your band might be arrested for indecency tonight? Cell Block 4 is not afraid to go to jail. Cell Block 4 is from jail. It would only be like sending them home. And under no circumstances are you to perform Sweat of My God, I just love that I don't give a damn hip hop attitude. It's so real. You brothers have created something so nasty. You had the concert, you died. Now, CB4 is one of the hottest hip-hop groups to come on the scene in a very, very long time. Straight out of low cash, a crazy young brother named Custer. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's hilarious. Man. CB4, one of my favorite Chris Rock performances. Wow, CB4. That's a great one, too, there. Chris, Chris Rock plays a, a guy named Albert, and he is an aspiring rapper. He's a suburban kid, but he sees all these gangster rappers on TV. And he decides with two of his friends that they're going to become this gangster rap group called CB4. And they pick some rap names. Uh, he he goes under, Rock goes under uh, MC Gusto for reasons that you'll have to watch the movie to figure out. His friend is Dead Mike. And I, I mentioned B-Rabbit was one of the worst rap names in movie history. I think that uh, the next guy had one of the best rap names in movie history, Stab Master Arson. It's <laughs> a great name. <laughs> Oh man! They have a feud with a local crime boss. There's a, an overzealous promoter in there, but again, just like Josie and the Pussycats, this is a it's a a satire, and it's a satire of the masculinity and the vibe from early '90s hip hop. There's there's nowhere in the movie where it's more apparent than when they go to meet with the label that they're going to sign with. I want you to sign with us, and you want to sign with us, and we want you to want to sign with us. Now let me ask you guys a couple of questions. You cuss on your records. Yeah. Do you defile women with your lyrics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, fundle your genitalia on stage? Yeah. Whenever possible. Mm. Do you, uh, glorify violence or advocate the use of uh, guns as way of solving civil disputes? Yeah. Okay, okay, final question. Do you guys respect anything at all? Not, Not a, a goddamn thing. thing. You got a deal. Yeah. Welcome to the family. Trust us productions. It's also got great cameos. You got Ice Cube, Ice T, Easy E's in there, Flavor Flav, Shaq, back when he was trying to rap, and uh, Halle Berry as well. Man, it's so wild because it's almost fitting when you think of like the whole Takashi thing. It's almost like, you know, true. Way, it's almost similar. <laughs> true. If you think about it. But it's like, you know, way before. Hey, this is what we can do. We can this couldn't work. And then it actually did work and to a higher level out here now. But yeah, it's kind of wild now that you brought that up. It has me thinking about the the similarities that's there. And now I have to rewatch that. So I'm writing these down because I'm like, man, I gotta rewatch CB4 old as an older person now. You know, just yeah. kind of because I've learned and seen other experiences now. So to look at it differently but there's also a lot of things in it and i'm like wow that's, that's <laughs> what's going on. there is a uh the blu-ray is coming out soon i looked it up when i was coming up with my list and i only have the dvd so i went to see if there was a blu-ray and it's coming soon yeah that's a good one man uh i'll go i got one that, I, I i got one this one right here is it's called fade to black with jay-z like i said when you're making your last album you know you want everything to be perfect in order for everything to be perfect, everybody has to be focused. You don't know how hard it is to get everybody on the same page at the same time for one thing. When I went to go see this in the movie theater, I actually, man, it felt like a, a concert, like, like unbelievable. You know, like me, me, I went, actually went with Mr. Walt from the Beat Miners. <laughs> me, me, him, and his son went. Man, we went there when it was like, put your lights and your cell phones in the air, and the, and he's in the, he performing at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, we we were in the theater with our phones in the air. You know, like we were <laughs> like, we were so hyped. I mean, like when when it begins with Michael Buffer, 
and he comes on stage, that introduction is just incredible. And then how the, the the stage, I can watch that and I feel like I'm really in a concert with that, man. It's I can watch that anytime. And then I love watching that with the surround sound. Like if you had the nice surround sound in that movie, it's incredible, man. So Fade to Black is a is a live concert of Jay Z. It was supposed to be like his farewell yep. to the industry because you know that Black album was supposed to be the last album. So it's supposed to be his last concert. As we know, he's done like numerous albums after that. Um, but as a lot of backstage guests, it, it just basically um, also shows him making the album too, which is incredible. The, the journey of it, um, seeing him work with Rick Rubin and seeing how he came up with um, 99 Problems and, and things like that. So, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite movies. And then also seeing him when he made the Lucifer record, which I thought was a dope scene because it showed how come Jay-Z, to me, Jay-Z is the GOAT, but it showed me why he's the GOAT is because he collaborates and writes songs together. So Pharrell says, hey, I got a, here's a beat. He comes with an idea. Kanye has a hook. Jay-Z goes to say the hook. He doesn't deny if the hook is. He's not prideful on some, I didn't come up with the hook. I can't do that hook. He's like, that hook's fire. I'm going to go say the hook and I'll write the verses. So showing Jay-Z smarts as far as uh, creating music and collaborating with other artists and uh, along the journey, I think is incredible. And, um, you know, so that's that's one of my favorite movies that I could watch all the time, just to be excited and appreciative of lyrics, the process. That's that's where it is, you know. Good pick. I'm I'm so happy you put this on here. Jay Z is my favorite rapper of all time, uh, and this is an awesome documentary to watch. But I've seen, man, I've seen Jay Z live three times now. The Black Album is one of my favorite albums of. It's probably my favorite album of all time. I didn't, I didn't think about documentaries when I was making this list, but if we ever did top five music documentaries, this is my number one for sure. It's just a powerful movie to watch. Just overall, if, you, if you're if you looking to be an a MC, there's people that are dope, right? That can rhyme, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, But sometimes being an artist such as myself, I feel I can rap with the best of them, but I've never had necessarily the opportunity to maybe, to the opportunity to do a, a Madison Square Garden. So for me, I think what's so dope about it is seeing a lyricist that's respected get the crowd that he deserves to save lyrics that you should respect and listen to. Because there could be artists out there that I'm like, they're successful, they sell out arenas, but they're not necessarily saying anything that's actually going to alter um, the world or maybe necessarily inspire other great writers and lyricists to think about things like that. So I just like the fact that an artist of his caliber um, and his, his stature and his cleverness and wittiness and the essence of what it is to write a dope rhyme and put a song together got the audience he deserves. And he is so good on stage. <laughs> like Even yeah. now, I mean, he's been doing this for so long. He's one of the richest rappers alive and he still gets on stage. It's almost like he's as hungry as it's his first show. He just like tears it up worthy of a number one spot that's for sure yeah yeah all right grand finale for me my number one i i looked through i'm i'm a media collector as well i looked through my big wall of blu-rays and one of them just popped out to me had to be my number one favorite movie about music of all time from 2014 whiplash i'm part of schaefer's top jazz orchestra it's the best music school in the country the key is to just relax. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what the other guys are thinking. You're here for a reason. Have fun. Five, six, and. I want to be great. And you're not. We got Buddy Rich here. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and. Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will gut you like a pig. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? You are a worthless pansy ass who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. So, uh, directed by Damien Chazelle, who was a jazz drummer. It's about mm -hmm. a drummer who joins this, it's like a music conservatory, 
and he's mentored by this perfectionist jazz instructor played by J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons just pushes this kid to his absolute limit in the most insane ways. The, the jazz teacher, his name is Fletcher, he is terrifying. Like, he just hurt. At one point, he throws a chair at the students. He insults them. He's, he's kind of like the Gordon Ramsay of, <laughs> of jazz drumming, but he's way more violent and way more, um, like, personal with his insults. And then Miles Teller plays the, the drummer. His name's Andrew Neiman. And he starts to kind of unravel under the tutelage of this teacher. The music is great, but it's all about the interplay between these two characters. And it's got one of the best final scenes that I've seen in a movie. And it's just about their facial expressions. For you, Wordsworth, as a teacher, I think you're going to get even more out of this than I did. Right. In the uh, Oscars that year, it won Best Film Editing, uh, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Supporting Actor for J.K. Simmons. And deservedly mm-hmm. so. Like, wow, what a great movie. Whiplash from 2014. Uh, I love what you what you described it to be, and, and the plot and everything sounds right up my alley. Um, yeah, I got it written here, so I, I have all these movies written here, and I, I'm up here thinking like that's one of those maybe I can show and watch with my daughter and, and see if she because they like they like stories like that, so that might be one that I'll throw on like during the weekend when we do our little weekend watches of movies. So that might be one right there. Whiplash uh, looks it sounds great. Yeah, it's really really good. A uh, lot of filthy language in there. Just be aware of that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my 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 oldest, you know, she's she's nineteen now, so she's legal. So I I, <laughs> yeah, I, I was able to shield her to around seventeen. Other than that, I'm done. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's cool, man. I'm I'm eager to see that though. I really am eager to see that one right there. That that one may be the first one that I, I jump into out of out of the list that I got from you there. That one was sounding super intriguing. All right. All right. Words, you got some honorable mentions, ones that you wanted to put on your list, but just couldn't. Man, you know, I really wanted to put A Star Is Born on it. Okay. The current version with Lady Gaga. I saw, I saw, I believe I might have saw the original because I saw the Lady Gaga. Yeah, I did watch the original after I saw Lady Gaga version. The original was cool too, but man, the music in that, man. Oh, man. That soundtrack. The music is just another level, man. When I hear the music from that, um, it makes me understand why I appreciate music. Those songs, I love the I love the songs in that in that film. Oh, one that I left off that I really wanted to put there that I didn't get to say was actually um Wild Style. Oh yeah, also from back in the eighties. Yeah, that was that was some of the essence of hip hop there too. Um, if, if, if anybody's like really wanting to see the essence of what it was like in a jam when people just kind of grabbed the mic and had, uh, one beat playing and people just rhyming back to back, that actually shows a lot of the essence of, um, battling at parties and freestyling. And, uh, so, so much so the music from that is actually the intro music from that, if I'm right, is actually the intro music to Nas's album, to Illmatic. That's what that intro is. That's the music from, from Wild Style. That's in that, that's in that movie, yeah. So that, that shows you, that makes that album even um, more uh, fulfilling on the basis of him being that young, understanding how that movie um, is so appreciated in the culture of hip hop. That's the intro of that album and that album is in the Library of Congress because how great it is. So it's just that album, from beginning to end, just based off of having that wild style music in there, it touches people on another note because of that music, that intro. And uh, Fab Five Freddy in that one, right? Yep, Fab Five Freddy in that. Uh, I got just a couple that I wanted to mention before we uh, get to your music. Hustle and Flow was one that's a really great movie that couldn't make my list. I just watched that too about two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, good one, Terrence Howard in there. Uh, pop star never stop never stopping with Andy Samberg so funny the comedy was, oh my goodness that's hilarious <laughs> oh that's so hilarious. good oh my goodness that is hilarious man oh yep one that I want to mention I had the director of this movie on not too long ago it's a movie called Yellow Rose about 
an immigrant who's trying to make it in the music business, and it is really, really good. Words, that's one that you can watch with your daughters that is a really powerful story, and it's it's got really good music, too. It's called Yellow Rose. I just wrote that down, Yellow Rose. Okay. Those are some of the ones that uh, were not documentaries that I wanted to mention. I have a couple documentaries, too, but I'm going to save those because at some point I might do music docs. So got to keep those in the tool belt. Hey, let's talk about your music a little bit. If somebody's brand new to Wordsworth, what would you recommend they start with? Um, I would say Mirror Music was my first uh, solo album that came out in 2004. You know, there's a song on there called Be a Man. Um, there's a song on there called One Day. There's another song on there called Guardian Angel. These are some of the songs that resonate with people to this day. And it's my first album. Um, it actually got a back then we got an XL and double XL. Um, so it was rated one of one of my best albums ever, you know, and um it's it's me waiting for that moment, able to put all that music into that. So I would say check that out. Um also if you're first time trying to get to know me and you haven't heard me rapping as far as just making some rap songs, you may have heard me do rap songs and cartoons. So SpongeBob, Bubble Party, sound. So the SpongeBob movie soundtrack, Prince Paul. Oh Ball, shit! I did not know that. Yeah, SpongeBob, and there's a video for it too. They made a video for it. Um, Dexter's Laboratory Hip Hop Experiment. I did a song with uh, Prince Paul again. Once again, recruited me on that. It's called Back to the Lab Again. They made a video for that. That was a big record for for me. Um, also. Um, you can also right now go to Netflix and you go to Peabody and Sherman season one, episode two, you'll see me as a cartoon, me and Prince Paul. And it's, it's me Wordsworth rapping. Um, and then other, other TV shows, there's a movie right now out called St. Judy. I actually got the, at the end of the credits, that's me rapping, uh, power. If you watch fan of power and stars, the last season, I'm in episode two, my songs, um, so I, I, I'm I'm there. I'm out there in all these other forms and other ways, but I'm I'm still doing music. It's just that you may see me in a, a different arena of doing music. So those would be the things I would say to check out, just so you can get understanding of just how broad it can be. Because sometimes um, maybe the album isn't for you, or you know maybe you can say, okay, but I like these kids' songs for my kids. Um, and so on and so forth. And I don't curse in my, in my song, so you can play it anytime, parents, kids, anything like that. Very cool. Uh, I also love Mirror Music. It's got some production from Odyssey, one of my favorite producers of all time. And yeah. uh, I also recommend the, the follow-up, Photo Album. I think Photo Album is a really, really great album from 2012. Yeah, yeah. That actually has one of my favorite songs on it called The Oldest. If if you follow me, I'm not afraid to try different flows and cadences and things like that, you know, and that's one of those things. It's, it's a different flow. It's a different feel. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs I've ever done. Um, I would say check out New Beginning. New Beginning was an album that I released in 2015, which I actually based my book on right now, uh, What Words Are Worth, Volume 1, New Beginning. And... Um, there's one of these songs on there called The Test of Time. And that's one of my favorite songs that I try to tell people to play it for their parents, their girlfriends, uh, anybody in a relationship, just the grandparents, just to kind of let them hear hear that journey of love. Yeah, the book is out right now, New Beginning, with Words of Word Value 1, based on um, that album. I did not know you had a book, so I got to go I gotta go search that out. <laughs> yeah. You're on here making me spend money, man. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that book dropped last year, July. And it actually um, made it to Amazon's top 10 poetry, new poetry releases. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Um, but that book is uh, behind the scenes of every, it's the entire album. And I break down the entire album, all the lyrics, every four bars, I give you uh, a reason why I wrote that, wrote, wrote those four lines and I, why I feel they're important. I, I feel like, like doing these interviews, why they're important for me is you hear me 16 bars, you don't know what my mindset is like and what I sound like to talk regularly. So sure. when you read the, when you read the book, you actually get to understand how I sound from a narrative point of view, as opposed to just rhyming. And 16 bars doesn't allow me to elaborate on each line and what made me think of it. In this book, you get to see 
why I, I thought of that, how I feel about this, what's going on in the world. And um, you get to see some pictures of me on tour in South Africa. And, and I talk about my journey over there and just the world and what's going on. So it's really uh, one of those books that just gives you, it's like asking Shakespeare what he meant, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing about it is we can't ask him. So even to this day, we speculate and you don't know if you're right or wrong. I felt I've seen a lot of books where people would write about uh, breaking down people's lyrics, but it wasn't the artist. So you still don't know what that person is thinking. You just, oh, he meant he meant this when he said that. She meant this when she said that. And it's like, uh, I spoke to them. They didn't mean that. <laughs> now, now you get it from me. So, um, yeah, you know, what words are worth, volume one. Yeah, man, I, I think um, you'll enjoy the book. I'm going to go check that out. Where can people buy that to best support you? Uh, Amazon. Just go to okay. Amazon. I mean, there's other websites that have it if you just kind of Google it, but Amazon is, is the place and leave a review and and things like that. Um, that's where I suggest people go because um, Amazon, we know how, how, how big it is as far as uh, what it can do. So I just want to keep pushing things through there. And if you support it, you know, just leave a, leave a review for me. Um, if you're on Instagram, uh, at Wordsworth, B-K-L-Y-N, that's my Instagram. If you got the book, um, what helped with the book sales too, people were getting the book and taking pictures with it and posing it in pictures and putting candles by it. And they just bought it like, man, if you go on my Instagram for from, from some time ago, everybody that pretty much was buying the book were just taking these pictures with it, putting it on their table saying, about to get into this. And they was modeling the book for me and that helped other people buy it and do a different picture. So it, it caught its own little campaign when it came out. Um, so that that really helped a lot too. And, and I would say another album to check out is the latest album with me, Pearl Gates and Quincy, Don Quincy Tones. He produced it, he's a UK producer. Uh, me and Pearl Gates are at the helm rapping and it's called Champion Sounds. And ironically, I was able to run with my favorite rapper, Kooji Rap, on there. You know? Yeah, yeah. On <laughs> Champion Sounds. Yeah. So, um, and how that occurred is because I met Gates. And if I would have never met Gates, I probably never had a song with Kooji Rap. He wound up doing a hook for a G Rap song. G Rap owed him a favor and got on our project. So, life life, life is uh, re rewarding. Um, so, that's kind of, yeah, where, where I am with things. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Listeners, now you got some movies to watch. You got some music to listen to. Go support Wordsworth. Show them, uh, show them that Force 5 love. I thought you had a great list. Thanks so much for coming on and, uh, and hanging out with me for an hour. Yeah, man. You had a great list too, man. You got me. I'm, I'm excited to go sit down and watch something because, you know, TV and movies and Netflix and all that sometimes can just be the same old, same old. But now I got some good things to sit down and watch. So... Most likely I'll be watching them this uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So I can't wait to get to Friday, Saturday, Sunday so I can check them out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Force 5. I hope you've got some cool movies about music to watch. I know I do. It sounds like Words does too. If you have a list topic that you think would be music to the Force 5 audience's ears, let's talk movies. Head to force5podcast.com for the show request form. Take a minute and remember to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps me out. And follow the Force 5 podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you can tell me which films we missed. Intro and outro bumpers today come courtesy of Nate Spears. The top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch some movies about music. And go listen to some Wordsworth.